You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. I would love to just kind of address big picture point of view, how we're supposed to respond and live in a society that is so fallen and broken? Like, how do, how do we do this thing as Christians? What is the right response? How do we go about it? So we're going to be looking at some kind of big picture things these next two weeks. And I feel the need to give you a word of warning about next week. So I know many of you um, bring your kids in here, and we think that's awesome. You know, as long as they're not screaming their heads off, you know, that's awesome. All right, but we love having the kids in here but I'm just giving you fair warning, um, next week's passage is going to be closer to like PG-13. Nothing I say about the passage will be PG-13, but the actual content is, is pretty, uh, heavy, some heavy violence, some heavy uh, adult issues in there. And so it's the last three chapters of Judges, if you're curious about it. If you think you can hit, kids can handle it, they are welcome. I'm just giving you fair warning. I'm going to be reading those chapters, okay? So just give you a heads up. But today... I'm looking at three different passages. I'm going to start, though, in Proverbs because we're in a Proverbs series. So I'm going to read you just one verse from Proverbs uh, 21. And I don't know why I have my notes over there, but there we go. All right, Proverbs 21, this is verse 1. Here it is. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. All right, one more time. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. You're probably like, Jason, what am I supposed to do with that verse? Like, what, what is it talking about? How does it apply to me? I'm not a king. Like, what, what's going on here? Well, I really think this, this verse addresses the sovereignty of God. And sovereignty, that's a big word for ultimate control, right? Ultimate power, ultimate authority, ultimate control. And we have a sovereign God, all right? He reigns over all. He has, you know, he's omnipotent, so all power. And he can change the course of everything. He knows the big picture. He knows everything that's gonna happen, past, present, future. It's all one to him. And he knows it and he, he can change things and he affects things and he can turn all things for the good of those who love him and choose to follow him. And there are times where he uses the evil of this world for his own purposes all the time. And what this verse is indicating is, especially kings, uh, their heart, you know, in God's hands, that is how he pours out his blessing and his favor sometimes. It also is how he pours out his discipline. And so King Solomon is saying, you know, ultimately God is in control and he can do whatever he wants with the ruling authorities of this world. And he can shape their hearts and give exactly what the people need and what society needs. So what should that tell us? It would probably be wise to pray for those rulers. It would be wise to ask God to change the heart of the people that rule over us because that is how he can pour out blessing the easiest. I mean, imagine if the rulers of this world just radically had heart transformations for Jesus and started living righteous lives and wanted truth and justice to prevail in this world. Imagine the difference that would make. It'd be night and day difference. 
there's no one else that can affect the economy like the rulers of this world. Like the president, you know, in, the, in this country, now there's checks and balances to the ultimate ruler. But still, the president, there's no other person besides the president in America that can affect the economy like the president can. There's no other person that can institute justice. There's no other person that has more influence on whether we go to war or don't go to war. And whether we're doing it for just causes. And so all of these things matter. And the Bible indicates that God is in charge of all these things. And the difference that he can make through a ruler is significant. I think one of the most fascinating stories and most obvious examples of this truth is King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you look at the history of King Nebuchadnezzar, it's fascinating. Because the Babylonian Empire was a vicious empire. And they steamrolled country after country, and they left a wake of destruction in in their path. And so it's a little bit shocking when you find out later reading through Daniel that God put them in place. I mean, God said, I'm the one that gave you this power, this influence. I was using you to bring judgment to the nations that were so evil and corrupt, including Judah, his own people. And he sent prophet or prophet telling them, you got to repent, turn away from these other gods, turn away from these evil sins, stop doing these things or else I will send you into captivity. And again and again, they reject the prophets. They ignore them and go right down their own path of destruction. So he sends Nebuchadnezzar and lays siege to it and ultimately destroys it. And the people are held in captivity. And then King Nebuchadnezzar had the audacity to go, this was about me. And so he's looking out and he has this crazy dream. And Daniel comes to him and it explains the dream to him. And essentially the dream is, hey, you're way too arrogant and proud. I'm going to humble you and turn you into a wild beast for a period of seven if you don't get your act together. And so King Nebuchadnezzar gets his act together for like a year. And then one day he's walking out and he's looking over his land. He's like, this is all about me. This is all about me. And immediately he loses his mind, becomes a lunatic, like a raving beast and starts eating grass of the field and growing his hair out long. And then just as wild to me that that would happen to the the greatest king in the world at that time. And this period of seven, we don't know if it's seven months, seven years, or just a, a metaphor for an indeterminate number of time or the perfect timing. But then God restores him to king. Like who's letting this former wild beast man become king again? It's wild. But that's the power of our God. He can do whatever he wants. And immediately this person's restored to the strongest ruler in the the entire world. And there was great blessing under him at times as long as you weren't drawing his wrath. But ultimately God was in control. All right, that brings me to our next passage. We're going to look at Romans 13, which is not a passage that Americans tend to love, but we're going to, we're going to read it. All right. So uh, chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, this is verses 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading the NIV if you want to follow along, but here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I mean, I mean it doubles down. It says it, and then just make sure I'm going to double down, say it again. 
Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone that you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And Paul here is laying it on really thick. And this is a person that was often imprisoned wrongfully, all right? And he's living under a government that is, I would say, at least as corrupt as the things that we experience today. I mean, the Roman government had lots of issues. It was not a godly government. And he is saying, your responsibility is to respect and obey and, 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 and just submit to this governing authority. Now, that is, that's not what Americans want to hear, like, because we're, we're all about independence, right? Like, we're, we're all like, my rights, my way, I get to do what I want. You know, that's the kind of, the, that's the American way, that's American thinking kind of thing. Um, we like movies like Braveheart, you know? Freedom, you know, like those are the things that we're looking for. Or we, we like our movies like uh, John Wick or The Equalizer or, or one of my favorites, Taken, you know. I have a unique set of skills, right? A very unique set of skills. You know, and so we want this person like there's injustice. So let's have a one-man wrecking crew go dropping bodies everywhere, right? And so they are just righting wrongs, all right? But if, if you tried to do that in real life, you would get killed, right? Like... It's a movie, right? And so and, and it's not wrong to want justice. That is from God. Like to right wrongs and to have justice, that is from God. But he says, revenge is mine. And he takes that off our plates because we can't handle it. We are sinful beings that are not capable of exacting justice the way it needs to be done. And so he says, operate under authority from the top down, that is how you get your justice. If you wanna be independent, like you, you can go out and try to, try to be completely independent of anyone, but there's no safety there, right? The reason that we are able to live very safe lives in, in the way that we live them today is because we're willing to respect the cops, you know, we're willing to respect the city council officials. We're expecting the state laws. We're respecting the federal laws. Like if we just didn't live by those things, we'd be thrown in jail, right? And if we didn't have those things, it'd be anarchy and chaos and there'd be all kinds of, of corruption and killing and death. We wouldn't be safe. And, he, and, and the Lord is saying, look, I am putting them in place for your own good. I know some of you are looking at me like, but Jason... Like, do you know who's ruling us today in this world? Like, do you understand the, like, surely God did not put these people in power in this world. Yes, he did. 
but that doesn't make sense. Why would he do that? Look, he put Nebuchadnezzar in, all right? He used the hard heart of Pharaoh to set his people free. He uses corrupt people all the time to get his way. And if you don't like your rulers and you think that they're corrupt, instead of rebelling against them, maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to get serious about getting on our knees and praying for a heart change for this country. It starts there. Because, you know, we've had some crazy couple elections, you know, lately. And, um, you know, and there were a lot of people stressed out about it. And I, under, I understand that completely. But my understanding of the word left me in a point where there was just, there was no stress. Because if the person that I kind of wanted, I didn't want anybody recently, all right? But just say, just say that. But like, if, if I, the person I kind of wanted more, like got in, all right? Then I'll be like, well, maybe we have a little bit more peace, maybe. And, and, if, and if not, then we deserve it. I mean, my, my mindset is like, well, God's focus is repentance of his people, all right? That is what he wants. And whatever he does, I have to believe is better for us for repentance. And so I'm like, take us there. I don't care how bad it gets until people wake up. Let's go ahead, take us wherever you want, Lord. I trust you to do what's right. And these people are just a symptom. The people in charge are just a symptom of our own broken hearts. The own sin that is in our society. And this, is, and this is not just for the rulers of the world, just the kings though. I mean, the authority and the hierarchy of authority is very important to God throughout scripture. All the way down. Starts in the home. I mean, I find it fascinating that one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. It almost seems like one of the oddest inserts in there. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, don't kill, you know, don't cheat, don't steal. All right, honor your father and mother. You know, the other ones are about, you know, no other idols, of course. I understand that. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And it's, and it's besides the Sabbath one, I think it's the, probably the second most broken commandment in the Bible is, is honoring your father and mother. Because in our society, it's like, well, if they're good and they're loving, then we'll honor them. But if they're not, you know, we'll break, break ties. We don't, we, we don't have to respect what they say and, and that kind of stuff. And again, I'm not saying do what your flawed parents say to do. I'm just saying this, but the Bible says respect. Respect them and honor them. Take care of them. And if you're living in their home, that you obey their rules and their authority short of sin. Even if they don't make sense, short of sin, you're showing them respect and honor. And he says, that's how you get a long life. All right, it's, it's the first it's commandment with a promise that he comes after that. He's like, this is how things naturally work in my world if you operate under authority. And in the same way in the home, you know, spouses just submitting to one another that you can't just be your own per- person. You're now one, you're joined together, you're honoring and you're honoring God. And then you, you think about your bosses. You know, I, some of you probably have a bad boss and you're like, you don't know how much of a jerk he is, all right? I, surely I don't have to listen to what he has to say. Well, you know, I, I had this in my youth, in my inexperience. I had a boss. I'm trying to be vague so it just doesn't pin this person down. Uh, but, um, but he was a narcissist. 
and he was not living right. And so he was really starting to tank the organization with just some, some crazy decisions. One, one of them being that he was, you know, he was a married man who was sleeping with one of his subordinates at, at work. And it was, and it, it just really sent him down a spiraling course of just bad decisions. And this guy was just riding us, you know, and the employees. And I, I, was, do, I was busting my butt doing, I thought, a, a, you know, a great job. And he wanted to institute a new policy that made no sense to me. And so I just didn't really do it, right? I just didn't follow through with it. And then he noticed me not doing it. And so he came down on me and gave me this email. It was like, well, why aren't you doing this? I don't know. I don't know. I lost my mind. I just kind of like... Uh, just wrote him back this email that was super snarky and sarcastic, like, oh, benevolent leader, I bow to your intellectual superiority and I will start doing this. And I don't, it didn't go well for me. It did not go well for me. I almost got fired from a job that you usually can't get fired from, you know? And so it's like, it was like, it was bad. And, and it was like, it made my life miserable for the next six months. Now, was it a stupid policy? Yes, it was a stupid policy. But would my life have been better if I had just obeyed it and just went along with it? Yes. Like that was a stressful six months that I went through before things started get, getting a little bit better and he left, all right? And so, uh, yeah, so it's not helpful. And God is saying, I don't think you understand. I operate through authority. Physical authority, government authority, spiritual authority. And when you shake that off and pay no attention to it, there are consequences to that. And a lot of times in our churches, it's just, you know, that's American independence. It's like, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. And we don't like to have accountability in our lives. But I would argue that you should be mentoring somebody and discipling them. And at the same time, you should have someone that is mentoring and discipling you. That dynamic should be a constant in your life. And you're like, I, I'm not there yet. We'll get there. Like get there as soon as possible. What are you waiting for? Like grow and learn so you can get to a point where you can disciple somebody else. But of course, you're already in a position where somebody can disciple you. We have plenty of resources in this church, but then you're operating under accountability, under authority. And that doesn't mean that the person that's in authority is smarter than you or more capable than you. But God says every authority figure in your life is placed there by him. It is what you need at that point. And sometimes it's a growing experience. It's to learn endurance, to increase your strength. And sometimes you're going to endure hardships to make you stronger. And other times, God's going to pour out blessing through the authority in your life. It makes your job easier. You can go and function. I got to tell you, I love operating on the authority of Jeremy. Let him take all the hits. Like, all right, that's beautiful. Let him do more weddings and funerals. Like, I don't want, I don't want to have to do, like, like that fact that he has, no, no offense. Like, if you come to ask me, I will say yes, probably. All right, so I don't want you to think that. I'm just saying those are really stressful, all right? Like, those are big days. Let Jeremy have them, all right? All right, Dean, let Dean have them. Like, yeah, go to them for them, okay? All right, so, no, just, uh, I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track here, all right? I'm, I'm just saying, like, 
what they do allows me to focus on my spiritual gifting, which I, I think is teaching and, and, and studying the word and, and, and trying to grow discipleship programs here. And if I was doing all the things and I didn't allow, I didn't work willingly under authority, I couldn't do what I was called to do. And God is calling you to do something. But you need to operate. He, first, he wants you to learn that you have to operate under authority this way. And this is how he really unleashes the blessing. All right, and so I want to take us to one more passage. And this one is in John 18. And this is because Jesus models for us. All right, so point number one, all authority comes from God. All right, but here, here comes the second point you're going to get from what Jesus says himself. This is when he was before Pontius Pilate about to be crucified, John 18, starting with verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. So Pilate is already getting the indication that this is, this is not a just cause and not a concern that's really for him. And so he asks them what their laws are and they get defensive because they know they don't, they, he's not gonna appreciate their blasphemy laws. And, and sure enough, they won't tell him the thing. So he's like, take them and judge them yourself. But he said, they say this, but we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was gonna die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. I, that, that last part sticks with me. What is truth? I mean, that could apply to today's society so well. Everyone asking, what is truth? Truth is relative. What's your truth? What's my truth? Not the truth. But Jesus came to bring the truth. And here he is facing death. And he gets asked if he's a king. And he's like, not of this world. Not yet. Not now. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So this is the second point. We serve a spiritual kingdom. And that changes everything. We are not living for this world. We are not fighting for our way. We are not trying to force ourselves into places of power. We turn the other cheek. We speak the truth boldly, no matter the consequences we willingly go to prison. We willingly put ourselves, allow ourselves to be put on a cross. I mean, Jesus had infinite power at his fingertips. 
He had enough influence with the people that if he just rallied the people, he really could have have caused an insurrection that could have, have taken over Rome if he wanted to. He had that kind of power and influence. And he certainly could have done it with 10,000 angels. That's not what he came for. It was not his time to do that. One day, the Bible is very clear on this. Daniel, Ezekiel, his own words in Matthew, Jesus' own words in Matthew, Revelation, talks of a time where he will come back and he will right every wrong. And he he will rule physically. But we are living in a time of grace where we serve a spiritual kingdom. Jesus came to show us how to live in love, how to submit willingly, to be humble and kind and gracious and to speak truth boldly, not to be right, but in love, to show people the way And Jesus was willing to go all the way to the cross and die for our sins so that we could be right with God, so we can experience that spiritual kingdom come inside of us. And now we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside us that has changed us to live a life that is unlike this world, not for ourselves, not for selfish gain, but for the benefit of the world and most importantly, for the glory of our God. We serve a spiritual kingdom. And because of it, we fight our battles differently. We don't pick up swords. We don't take up arms. And I'm not saying there's never a time and place. There's a a season for everything. But those things need to be led by the Lord completely, by the Holy Spirit. Our calling, and you look at it over and over again, modeled in Acts and in the New Testament, like They preached boldly, thrown in prison. No one's trying to break them out. They get whipped. No one's trying to stop them from getting whipped. They go to their death, hung upside down from a cross, beheaded. No one's one's stopping that. Instead, they shout glory to God that they died well and were able to glorify their father, heavenly father. That's their heart attitude that they had. And it was so amazing. And what they did was they, they changed the world by going out and, and taking orphans and starting orphanages and taking out the sick and starting hospitals and going out and loving people so well that other people were drawn to it. When things went bad was when Christianity went into the power of government. And then everyone was wanting to be Christian to to be in powerful and influential places. And immediately things started to crumble and fall apart because it was watered down with people that weren't true believers. And what God is trying to do is help us focus not on the things of this world, but on a spiritual kingdom where the Holy Spirit moves through the hearts of people with the, the gospel with the word of truth that will change their hearts and lead them to a place of great blessing and peace and joy. And so how do we operate in this fallen and broken world? On our knees. On our knees. We pray for the hearts of our rulers. We pray for the hearts of our loved ones. We actively engage in discipleship where we are being discipled and we are discipling others. And so more and more people are bought into this servant heart, this servant attitude where we are not worried about our own concerns, but how can we love other people better? 
So we're not shouting from the rooftop hateful things or, or, or trying to be right. We are shouting from the rooftop that God loves you and wants you to be adopted into his family. And we love each other so well in the church that other people are drawn to it. And as a result, hearts change and a nation experiences revival. That is what God is calling us to do. And so I hope that you will join us in discipling. We are working really hard on the discipleship pathway. Right now we have Rooted and we are very close to doing the follow-up to Rooted, which is called Called. We are so excited about it and we have, have pathway after pathway after that. We are taking this discipleship seriously and we want you to be involved in this church. Get plugged in. Join a Bible study. Join Rooted if you haven't done Rooted. That's, that's the starting point for our discipleship pathway. But we need you bought into this because this is where we're going. We are serving a spiritual kingdom for an awesome God and we're preparing the hearts for his return one day. So join with us as a church and do everything that you can. And when we offer things like the man's prayer breakfast and we come together on worship nights, which I think we're gonna, we're gonna have more and more prayer opportunities with that, we need individual prayer and we need corporate prayer where we're praying for change for this nation, praying for change for this community, praying for change in our homes. That's the only way that we'll experience victory because this is a spiritual kingdom. Let's bow our heads in word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for guiding us with your word, for showing us. And we are stubborn and hard-hearted people. And we're immersed in a world that is constantly telling us that up is down and, and wrong is right. But I pray that you will give us discernment to see the truth. I pray that we will seek the truth in your word and in our, in our, our communities, in our small group communities. Where we feed off one another and motivate each other to acts of goodwill and love. Help us to be a church that makes an impact and through our testimony shows that we love our community. We love our nation. We love the world just as you loved it first. And help us to be willing to pursue you at any cost and love you with our whole heart, mind, and soul. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, as always, the prayer team will be down here if you need prayer. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.